Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Thank God for everyone. And for those still at the, seas, at the beaches, everywhere across the world. <laughs> this time of prayer is always time when church, everybody's... Everybody is, uh, is everywhere. God bless us all in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, we just want to thank God as you know uh, for God's faithfulness. As we just you know have a look at a couple of things together, and by God's grace, we come to the place of prayer. Equipping, equipped for winning, for soul winning. That is the team, equipped for soul winning. One of the things that I have, you know, over the, a long period of time, I've shared this over and over again, I, I have struggled at times, is because the way the body of Christ has, has, has become, and you know, I am finding so many things that it is difficult for me to talk about because you don't even know where to start. I'm not talking about what people may think is the issue. At times, what people think is the right issue is actually an issue in itself. It's as if, you know, a country like Nigeria, you know, when you see a politician that is helping a lot of people, sending them to school, supporting families, To us, there, you, that politician is a good politician. But actually, the reason what makes him good is because the system is wrong. It should not be his job to be sending people to school. But when something has become a system, even what people say it is right is actually wrong. So when you say, I ah, you know, he should not be sending, ah, you see, ah, he's, he's our, he's, um, I don't know how to put it in English, he's, he's our God sent. But, ah, this thing should not be this way. Ah, this man did well, he built a road for us. It is not, it is not your money, it's not his money, it is yours. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm just using that as an example some of us connect to it. That there are so many things that at times in the body of Christ that people are pointing at and saying with their lives and saying this is correct. And you're thinking, ah! <laughs> it is not. It is not. And it's not new to us. The Bible talks about Jesus. Jesus was talking about, about when he spoke about Moses and divorce. And Jesus said, see, where Moses was even wrong. But actually they were going through that prayer for a, a, a period of time. So, as we look at this, I'm saying this to, you know, um, there was somebody who was talking to me about the servant of God. And the person was saying to me that this person is not, you know, the, one of the things where they love that person is that he doesn't talk about money. Doesn't, he raise money, you know, he gives out money and things like that. And that, you know, he's a true man of God. 
the basis that somebody doesn't talk about money is that the qualification of being a man of God. <laughs> but that is what the system has carved us into. In such a way now that the devil is not raising people who are giving people money. And people say, ah, no, you, you can't use the man of God. Why? Because he's giving you money. <laughs> but the, what I'm trying to say is that the devil has pushed the body of Christ to a point where what people are calling correct, biblically it is wrong. But it is difficult for anyone who understands to say, because no matter what you say, ah, no. So, they are, they are, one of the things that we are looking at, you know, a couple of things that are, as we talk about it is that when you talk about a growing church, a big church, you know, people go, ah, no, that is not, I understand that aspect, but you need to also understand that the vision of God is not that this is going to be the number of Christians he has. He did not sacrifice his son. That's why the Bible says in John 3, 16, that the Amplified says, For God so greatly loved the world that he dearly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes and trusts in him as a savior will not perish but have eternal life. So when you go to Matthew 28, verse 19, you see that Jesus tells us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So what, am I, what I'm trying to tell you is that the intention of God is not that you will have a section of a place that will be called Christians. That was never his intention. Now, if you feel that, you know, if, if you have, because you have seen gatherings or places where you call the, 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 the issues around so-called mega churches and people go, oh no, those things are, those things are there, they are, and you, and you, you form your own theology that only two people is enough for God. That theology is wrong. I was listening to a guy, an American, I was talking that you know he's a he's a YouTuber, he just doesn't have a choice. He said the problem that people don't know is that there are more mega churches in America that are doing well and sound, but they are not hard off because the only thing that people want to hear is when you do something wrong. So you become headline news. But there are actually more that are doing well and leading people to Christ than the ones that you, you care about. So, but when we now hear, you know, when you now hear, um, you know, just like, for example, I, were you, were, most of us were, I know you probably knew when there was this London riot. For everybody outside London, it was as if the whole London was on fire. People were calling me, ha, ah, where are you? London is on fire. The old place, I said, I don't understand what you're talking about. I know there is an issue somewhere, but can I tell you one thing? In Ukraine, as you see Ukraine now, there are places in Ukraine that are quiet. And that is, I was surprised when I began to see certain hotels in Syria when there was bombing going on. 
and people were going for holidays, everything was okay. And I was like, is this not the same Syria that they're talking about? Yes, it's that same Syria. There are some places where it's okay, there's nothing wrong. What I'm trying to say is that, but the way the news is done is that I'm not spirit again wrong, I'm not reducing what is happening in Ukraine. But you'll be surprised as some people will still be going to work and living their life in Ukraine despite the facts that there is war everywhere. And so, and that was, that, that is, that is, so what I'm trying to say at times that, you know, it's important that we clear the noise and try to see what the mind of God is. I am not saying that God doesn't have an ability, God doesn't enjoy a small church. He does. But that small church, you have an impact to thousands of people. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So what, what I'm trying to say is God is, is interested to touch as many lives as possible. As many lives as possible. But when we first of all start off from the viewpoint of, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this Christianity is just for a couple of people. God is not really interested in, in, in a lot of in a lot of then you know what you're saying does not have any correlation with the scriptures. You, when you read Isaiah chapter 56, the Bible says that, the Bible says, 56 verse 7, the Bible says, This I bring to um, this I, I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Because he said, For my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. So God is saying, see, as far as I am concerned, the impact of what I want to be done in my house, please note that it did not say my houses. It said my house. So that means that you can have one place yet impacts the whole nation. So I am just trying to refresh our mind as we go on about the mind of God when no matter what you see they are the extreme of people that have done wrong and the extreme of people that are very careful not to do wrong that they don't do anything at all so when we see another proverbs proverbs tells us Proverbs chapter 14, verse 20, he said, In the multitude of the people, sorry, in, in a multitude of people is the king's honor. So that means that the larger the size, the more honor a king has. So if God is actually a king, that means the greater his influence, the more honor you bring to him. So that also means that if I have said, God, I'm going to honor you today. Aside from throwing up my hand and saying, I love you, Jesus. Adding one more person to the kingdom is adding honor to God. 
or not adding honor. It's bringing honor to God. So, if somebody says, why do I need to share the gospel? Why do I need to bring, lead people to Christ? It is, my mission is to honor God this week. I am actually honoring God. So, so the Bible says to us that in the multitude of a king, sorry, the multitude of people is the king's honor. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, there is something that I want you to, as we learn more about the scriptures, is that the kingdom of God never starts with big things. It starts with small, and that small would impact the whole world. God had the vision of populating the whole world, but why did he not start by creating one billion people? He started by two. That has always been the mind of God. And when you begin to see that in the pattern, when Jesus, Jesus died for the world, yes, he chose 12. Why? Because the kingdom does not start with the big stuff. It gradually grows itself into that size. So you see Jesus talking about that in Matthew chapter 13. Yeah, from verse 31, Jesus said, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I brought the mustard seed a couple of weeks ago for us to see in church. It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Although it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the greater, it is it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch on its branches. So what the Bible is saying is that the way the kingdom of God grows, it doesn't come with a bank. It starts off gradually. And the so as we begin to talk about Yes, God is, is interested in, in impacting the whole of the United Kingdom. He, he will, he has, it has never been his pattern for him to now turn up and save the whole United Kingdom in one day. Does that mean that he cannot do it? He can. I learned something about, somebody said something about God, which stuck with me for a while. The person said, God does not do things according to his power. He does things according to his will. So he doesn't do things because he has the power to do it. He does something because he wills to do it. So that there will be certain things that God, you will say, ah, God has the power to do and he will not do. Because he doesn't will to do it. He's not controlled by his power. He's controlled by his will. So that is why you can certain certain things and go, you know, why does God just kill all these people? No, because it is not that you cannot do it. But if you don't understand that, people will say that God, if, if God is powerful, why can he not do this? No, because he is not controlled by his power. He's controlled by his will. 
and you rather have the God that is controlled by his will than the God that is controlled by his power. So at times some of the allegations we put against God, God is like, ah, if you want me to actually do what you are doing, what you are saying I should do. The problem is that God doesn't have, he doesn't pick a situation when he acts in a particular way. Because he's a just God. So when he does something, he will have to replicate it for any other person because he's a just God. So you so the Bible is so what, what, what I'm trying to say is that there are yes, people will say, ah, why can't God just if God turns up in the middle of the year now and say, Whole of United Kingdom, this you are going to hell if you don't give your life to Christ. I said to us last week that God has done greater miracles before. It didn't work. Children of Israel, they saw fire. They saw water open. They saw um, manna from heaven. Yet, so, like I said last week, miracle does not change people. It can, it can, it, it, it can bring attention. That's why Jesus said, without signs, I will do because it was to bring attention. That is why it is called signs. You know, but when you give somebody a sign and you don't show them, you blow a whistle now to say, you know, maybe a dangerous one, you blow a whistle. And the only thing that people hear, when you whistle, they look towards you and you don't see anything then it's of no use. Do you know what share testimony about what Salaul was saying about the evangelism, sorry, the evangelism and the prophetic team? Because they were, were, were going out to do evangelism. And we were actually playing music. Or we were singing or something like that. What it was, you know, we were singing. And we were preaching and there was this couple of young white guys, boys, who were gathered at the other side of the streets and they were laughing. So maybe one of them just, I don't know what came over him, but he began to pretend like he was having um, epilepsy or whatever it is. So I think out of concern, they went, some people went over to go and speak to so the person said, are you okay? And they now laugh, and we were just joking. And things like that, so they left. And the other guy that was the one doing the act was, was there. So one of them just said, God said I should tell you that your sister's, no, no, your brother's girlfriend in hospital, I think that man has been pregnant or whatever, there's just complications. God says you tell your mother, tell your family that she will be well. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> it's as if a boss I just hit him. <laughs> he just today was like, what just happened? That is what prophetic gifts can do. But after that, if you don't introduce the gospel to them, you are not different from a magician they saw on the road. Deacon, I'm trying to say, so 
So signs are important. It is part of the tools of the gospel. But that those signs do not demonstrate gospel, do not talk, do not share the gospel. So God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, you know, all I'm saying here is that the kingdom of God starts with something little. And you would, if, you know, you would see experiences in the Bible like, um, like the, 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 the young lady in 1 Kings, um, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, you would see that this young lady was, was a servant. She was not even the servant of Naaman. She was a servant of Naaman's wife. In those, early, in those days, women don't even have strength. As if they, so they don't have the position to be able to talk to their husband. Now, this man was well decorated. He was well achieved. He had achieved a lot in his life. But he was the servant of the, lady, of, the, of, the, of the wife. A young girl that went to say to him and said, um, <clears throat> the Bible talks about that Naaman had, he said he was, he was a, he, he, Naaman, Naaman, a commander of the army of, of King Hamran. The Bible says that he was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded because through him the Lord has given victory to Hamran. And he was a violent soldier, had bought hard leprosy. Now, you know, the Bible says now the, um, the bands of, now the bands of raiders of, from Hamran had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. So that girl had no reason to think that God has thought well of her because she was snatched from her home. But yet, she had God had given her the ability to share the gospel, to share God with them. So even even though she was the lowest in the house, she still had something that would share Christ or God in, 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 in the God of Israel with Naaman. So what I'm actually trying to say is that, and you will later see that that story ended up by Naaman acknowledging the God of Israel. But what brought about that testimony? It was a young girl who was a slave and a servant. What I'm trying to say is that when the kingdom of God starts, it doesn't necessarily start with big things. Even the people that you think or you that you think that you have nothing to say, you'll be surprised how much God can work to you. You know, I, someone people like, you know, I don't even know what to say. And the truth is that it is not everybody in the Bible that has anything to say. In fact, God, see, the Bible did not ask you to go and become a preacher. It said, be a witness. That's what Jesus said. Be my witness. Who, 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 who is a witness? When you go to court. Did you see it? Yes, I saw it. Are you sure? Yes. I can tell you for a fact this is what this person did. That's it. 
A weakness can also be somebody that, no, I can witness to this thing that this thing is possible. Why? Because this man did this to me and I am standing as a witness of what he has done to me. So, I am standing as a witness of what Jesus has done to me. At times, and I understand that, you know, sharing the gospel in this part of the world is a little bit different because people ask you very theological questions and all this kind of stuff. And that's one of the things why we're trying to equip you, equip ourselves with all those kind of things. But, you know, I want you to understand that, see, even if everything escapes your mind, don't go, ah. You know, it is, it doesn't, see, okay, let's, let's see a lady who won a whole city to God. John chapter 4. This is the woman at, at the well. She said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? What does that mean? She doesn't have all the answers. See, me, I don't know. You know when people start asking you questions that are beyond, you say, see, or that, I don't understand what you're saying. But what I can tell you is that this is what God has done. Is that Christ died for your sins. You cannot save yourself. So the Bible says, it said, they came out, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. All she said is, this is a witness. This is what he did for me. I don't know if you can answer your questions, but come. And you'll be surprised that when they made their way, they made their way towards Christ. And when they met Jesus, they said, Umana, you didn't explain it well, but we have now, we cannot testify. We cannot testify. You know, um, if you go to verse 39, verse 39, the Bible says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And he repeated testimony again. He told me everything that I want. Do you see? You don't need to cram the whole scriptures. I know it is good to understand the Bible, please don't get me wrong. Especially when you come across some Islamic scholars and things like that. You know, I've I've had encounters with some of them, and you know they we are all, you know, God is helping every one of us, but what I encourage people to do is that when you begin to encounter people like that and we are all together, just direct them towards me. You get what I'm saying? So, so you know, um, God help us in the name of Jesus. You know, there, there are so many things that they, for example, where in the Bible that Jesus said, I am God. There's some Christians who start opening Bibles. Ah, he's not there. <laughs> But what they did not see, what they what they did not notice is that when Jesus said, Before Abraham, I am. I am. And the Bible says that they picked up the stone and wanted to stone him because he was equating himself to God. Why? Because to a Jewish person, 
when you say I am, what you are saying is that you are God. But because it's not written there black and white. Hey, tell me, tell me more. It seems like there's, there are certain things in this Bible that is not correct. I've said it before. You see, there was a time I had to, I, I literally had to tell, I said, please, if you're going to speak to anybody, speak to me. Because I began to discover that <laughs> they are going to whistles. <laughs> you don't want them to, <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't want to bring imams <laughs> to the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, one, one of the things, I was talking to somebody recently, one of the things that people try to make you think is that the Bible is hiding something. But the Bible doesn't hide anything. It's not hide. The Bible clearly tells you what the issues are. See, at times things that people point out in the Bible say, ah, oh, this thing is here. It's not, you, when you go to your footnotes, the Bible declares it. The Bible declares it. But, as we go on, so the Bible, so you know, he said, this man told me everything that I have ever done. Now, I just want to just point out something to us in this scripture, as I just go back to that verse 35, just to kind of, you know, um, um, you know, no, down here, 35. No, in between that conversation, Jesus was saying, Jesus said, do not, don't use, don't you have a saying? It is still four months until harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. Now he said, even now, there is the, the one who, who reaps and draws wages and the, and, and the harvest of the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, saying is, so, so this saying, one sows, another one reaps, is true. What does this, what, what am I trying to point out here? You know that woman said, could this be the Messiah? What does that mean? Somebody had told her before. So what I'm trying to say is that at times when you share the gospel with somebody, you might actually be a sower. You might not necessarily reap that person. But somebody else, God will be sending along the way that would, you will build on what you have said. At times you say something to people, you think that they don't hear, or you know, it doesn't really, you know, they just go, I don't believe in those kind of things, and walk away. What I want to I'm just trying to highlight to you that the gospel has different dimensions. You have the sowing and you have the harvest. So at times you might be fortunate to sow and reap the harvest immediately, but you might also share the gospel with somebody and they will behave as if you what you have said is rubbish until something happens and they look back and they say, Wait, somebody said something to me. I've seen a situation whereby somebody put a trap through somebody's door. And we have traps, you know, that's one thing that I do also, putting it through people's doors and things like that. People say, ah, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, KFC will not be putting it through your door. <laughs> I understand that most of it, you put it in the bin. But one day, one day, there is one that you just say, ah, this, that the promo, right? what this promo, whatever, it's the promo things that you just pull out and, and use it. 
So what I'm trying to say, if it doesn't work, business people will not be using their money, will spend their money on it. So because business people are using their money, then that means it works. They might not get 100% results, but there is a chance. So what this guy was, he was talking, I think it was something around maybe the peace of God and things like that. And the guy just said, I just left it. And there was somebody else who came to that house, come and visit them. They were going through a lot of things and they just saw that leaflet. Three or four months later, and they picked it up. That was what led that person to Christ. So at times, the seed you are dropping, somebody else will come and bring the others. Now, when that person, so at times somebody may preach somebody and somebody say, ah, yes, I give you my life. Somebody say, yes, I have won. You know, you, are, you actually reap the harvest, the seed that somebody else has dropped. That is why at times it is important that even as parents, as young kids, you sow seeds. Because you may, it may look as if you are struggling with them now, or you are struggling with to get harvest now. But that seed is there. Somebody else will just come one day and just reap the harvest. That's why it's important that you just don't boast and say, ah, I want 50,000 people to Christ in one day. No. That person, some, most of them, their journey did not start when they met you. Yeah, John just when we met. So God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to just lay emphasis on that so that as you go on, you know, you might meet somebody that you may share the gospel with, and they go, just shut up. It's okay. Don't feel that you know, I went out today, I did not even bring one soul home. Actually, maybe your whole process on that day was actually sorry. Because they will need it some other day. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, now I just wanted to point out a couple of things. Um, okay, you know, some of us may feel that I need to get everything. I need to be. I need to be right. I need to be. I need to. I need to. You know. I need to be sure of what I'm talking about. Now, let's just see, you know, um, Mark chapter 16, verse 26, 12 to 20. The Bible says, afterwards, Jesus separated a, a different, um, sorry, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. This returned and reported it to the rest but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were hitting, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had who had seen him after he had risen. God, if you, the next verse, verse fifteen says, "He said to them." Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This sign shall accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will you know, speak in new tongues, and things like that. Now, what is weird about this conversation? Jesus came there People were still struggling to believe that he resurrected. 
you would think that Jesus would say, ah, your faith is still shaking you. How can you share the gospel? Naturally for, you know, for us, you would say, okay, let us put these people on a, a um, membership class. They go for membership class to um, advanced class to advanced people who spend 50 years studying and studying and studying and studying before they ever win one soul. But yet, these people were still struggling with their faith. And after Jesus said, don't do that again, what, what, what does that mean? You would think that he would say, okay, ah, I need to really have, we need to go to some training. Jesus just said, go out into the world and win. And uh, what am I trying to say is that Jesus is not looking for you to have a certificate in theology. Immediately he told them, go out there. And the Bible now said, these signs shall follow them. So as they were preaching, even though they were still struggling with some questions in their hearts, signs were happening. And the Bible says, when we go to verse 20, please. The Bible says, um, uh, the, the Bible says that, okay, let's, verse, the Bible says, after he had spoken to this to them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then his disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord walked with them, confirming their words with signs. He would wonder, how is it possible for people who are still struggling, who don't have all biblical answers, going out preaching and winning people to God? Because of what Jesus, you know, of one thing that the Bible talks about. And when you read from here, one thing that happened between verse 19 and verse 20 is the day of Pentecost. They did not go out to preach until they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. So, what made, what they needed was not theology. What they needed was the Holy Spirit to accompany them as they go. So, what, I mentioned, what, what, what we are saying here is that as we go on this week, you have access. You have, we, have, we have the grace of the Holy Spirit over our lives. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 talks, we said, we said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will become witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the hands of the world. So what Jesus was saying is that once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can go. Once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can go. And I want you to know one thing is that, you know, the person that does, so at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not for sec a, a special set of people. 
The Bible says this promise of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. The Bible talks about the fact that the book of Joel says, I said, after so many days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But the only person that does the baptism of the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself. That is what stands, that is one of the things by which Jesus is separated and different from every other person that has come. You know, John the Baptist was saying something in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but, but, but after me comes one who is more powerful than me. And he said, his sandal I'm not worthy to, worthy to carry. He now, dis, he now said, this is how you would know. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power and, and, and with fire. So what, what Paul was saying, what John the Baptist was saying is that it is Jesus himself that does administers baptism of the Holy Spirit on people. And so once we are gathered in the name of Christ, as long as Jesus is present, there is the opportunity for you and I to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But a couple of things that Jesus said as a prerequisite, as it were. He said, he said, he said, is anybody, is there anybody that tests? Let him come. Because out of him shall flow the rivers of life. That means that it is there has to be a desire. We saw that the only thing that the apostles needed was to be able to share the gospel and the Holy Spirit was there to, to, to carry everything out. And as we gather today, I think as we go into this evangelism week, if there is anything that we need, is actually the baptism of the Holy Spirit afresh. Actually the baptism of the Holy Spirit afresh. You know, that's why when Jesus will talk, when he says that in Mark, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says that, you know, you know he, said, he, says, he says that, you know, the Bible says that, the Bible says, he says, he was quoted from Isaiah. He said, the Holy Spirit, he said, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. So the first thing when you receive the baptism, of the gift of the Holy Spirit is to enable you to share the gospel. It is not for us to deal with the witches of your house. Those are byproducts. At times, the, the actual thing that the Holy Spirit is there for, people have neglected it. We are focused on byproducts. So, you know, um, ah, oh God, we, with the power of the Holy Spirit in me, you know, when I'm when I'm praying, or when I'm speaking in tongues, the things like that, you know, ah, the witches are going to be flying. Every, you know, those things, the devil would allow you to do that. It's okay as long as you don't use it for the right reason. Why was it? So Jesus said, the Holy Spirit said to proclaim the good news. To proclaim the good news. 
And I shared this with us last week when I said to us that, you know, you will never know the ability of God in you until you step out to share the gospel. You know, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that, you know, um, talks about that we have, the, he said you shall receive, um, if you read the Amplified one, it says, he says, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said, you will witness to tell people about me. So you will see that even when Jesus was telling the disciples, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is not for anything else. The primary role is so that you can share the gospel. And I'm just going to just zero in on that as we come to a close in the on, on, in in prayer. Is that I don't really like to do. I don't do this that much, but you know, I just feel that it's important so that you can. You know, I, somebody was asking me a couple of days ago, uh, or weeks ago, and I was sharing, just teaching about the Bible recently in a different environment. And I was saying that, you know, the Bible is is written in three different original languages. You have the whole Testament is written in Jew, in in in, um, in Hebrew. The the New Testament is written in Aramaic. No, the, the Gospels are written in Aramaic because those because that was what Jesus was speaking in his days. And then you have the the the, the letters. Most of it was predominantly like gospel, uh, Greek because they were sending out to um, to the churches that were not uh, and things like that. So I just wanted to point out the book of hearts to us. Let's just go to that. Now all, all this let's just go to the pictures I have is the stronger. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to point out one thing to us, as we, as we, you know, these things, these are not. If you go to what I'm using, if you go to Bible Hub and you type Acts one hits on your um, on your on your on your Google uh, Bible Hub, you would see you would see at for those when you read to the bottom, it, um, to the bottom of it, it talks about the the part where you have where it has the Greek of every part you're reading and you give you the translation of what you're reading in there. So you just need a phone, ask one it, Bible, Bible up, you first of all read all the translation, then it takes you down to, to um, not the conversation, can I have do I have? Does, is this the only one that you, okay, you put it together, okay. So you have this, I got this from Bible up, like I said. So you have power, which is Dynamite. Some people have rightfully so equated, I've had some teachers that equated it to dynamite, something explosive, which is good. There's nothing bad in that. You know, it's it, it's okay. Um, but you have you you have he said the strong word from the world dynamite. So this is this is the Greek translation dynamite. Now when it goes, when you now go to the concordance and come the Bible comes to a point where the translation talks about yeah, or the translation here says having the ability to perform. 
That's what that power means. Ability to perform. What am I trying to point out is this. That power that was given to you at baptism is not performance. It is the ability to do something. So, if you don't put it to use, assuming when the apostles finished, the whole place shook, and nobody went out to preach, they would never have known that 3,000 people can be added to the church. Please note, it was the Holy Spirit did not carry their leg after act of uh, apostles. You know, and and, and push them outside. That's not what happened. The apostles decided to leave the upper room and go outside to meet people. So, because what was released to them was ability. That's why when you read the Amplified, the Amplified will call it power and ability. So, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, it is not power that will just carry you and do something. It is ability. But until you begin to put it to use, you will never know the effect of it. That is why when you read the Bible talks about when Jesus told his disciples, the Bible says they gave them power and they went out to preach. But the Bible says when they came back, they said, ah, even demons were subject to us in your name. What does that mean? They were surprised. They didn't know they had the ability. But the Bible says Jesus gave them power. Why? Because when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, it is ability that you're given. So what we are encouraging ourselves this week is that as you, as, as we seek the grace and the, and, 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 and the grace of the Holy Spirit upon our life, please see, even if you speak 10 million tongues now, it is still ability until you put it to use, you will never know the impact of it. Your greatest experience will always be, ah, oh, goose pimples. Oh, my body is shaking. Oh, I feel the presence of God. Oh, which is great. You can stand before God in his presence, feel his presence and go and your tears flow down your eyes. It is powerful. But God is still saying all those experiences is just an ability for you to do something. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. As we celebrate the week, and as we come into this, if Jesus will tell the disciples, you cannot go out. I have taught you for three years, but you cannot go out until you receive power. Until you receive power. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.